The book of Nehemiah, chapter number 1, verse 3. I told Pastor Sailors, I said, once we see those photos, we'll see who's happy about it and who's not. I know they are. If you have it, say amen. Nehemiah 1 and 3. I wanted to go back to Nehemiah. I don't know where, and I haven't listened fully to what Pastor Amanda released on the service day that I was away evangelizing. But I do know that God is in this book for this day. And as I released what I released, I heard the Lord say, that there's a theme of refreshing. There's a theme of what God is saying and there's a thread of continuity even through every talent. And, and I'll get into this, but, but when you use and surrender your talent, how many know some of you are talented to give Him glory? That you have a tone. And when you release the tone of your talent, you surrender wholly what God has given you. Man, I just want to say it like this real simply and plainly. The sky is the limit when each of you release the tone of your talent. And I just heard that as you were saying that this morning. But verse 3, it says, And they said to me, the survivors, somebody turn to your neighbor and say it's the remnant, who are left from the captivity in the province, in the region, in the district, are there in great distress. There's great distress. There's great reproach. There's sorrow. There's disappointment. Anxiety that Pastor Amanda talked about, that Pastor Becca talked about when she was singing, breaking anxiety, breaking this spirit of sorrow, this spirit of disappointment that wants to hover over the destiny of God's people. And it says the wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. Even the openings, the doors were, were destroyed by, by, by the fiery uh, devices of the enemies. And so it was when I heard these words, and this is Nehemiah, that I sat down. Somebody say he sat down. And he wept and he mourned for many days. It wasn't just something that was uh, a, a, something he thought about and it passed on, but this is something that he carried out. And it was something that he mourned and he wept over it for many days. God placed it upon his heart and he fasted and he prayed. How many knows when you fast, when you sacrifice and you pray, that's when God will outpour? Praying before the God of heaven. And so verse 4 says, he prayed and he fasted. He prayed and he fasted. Somebody say he fasted and he prayed for revival. Heavenly Father, I ask right now, God, that you would move through the rest of this service. God, I will try to do my best to do it as timely as I can and quickly as I can, Father. Lord, I ask for your assistance and your help this morning. God, I pray that you would anoint me in spite of me. God, I pray that you would anoint me as your vessel. Create in me this moment your heart. 
And Lord Jesus, let it be released in this room, Father God. May we understand that time spent with you is treasured time. Lord, that it's precious time, Father God. And we say yes to your will. We say yes to your way. Lord, we desire what you want to do now. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you do it now as we release your word. Thank you for these who've prepared the way, the runway, God, for your glory to be released. Lord, I pray that your glory from this moment forward would be released to greater, in greater capacity, in greater measure. Lord, I thank you that you're not the God who leaves something uh, destroyed, but God, you sent your Son to restore all things. And so, Lord, we give you all the glory and all the praise for what you're going to do with this word this morning. With what you've already done, we just confirm what you've already spoken with this word now. And we give you praise now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. These, these survivors who were left, they were left. You know, God starts something, and a lot of times it's on a massive scale. Like the kingdom. We know that, that we can see that there was sometimes it started with small, but there was increase that came from the small. There was 3,000 that, uh, that came into the kingdom of God. And, and uh, because of the, the committed small group of 12 that Jesus imparted, invested in. And so I think it's important for us to understand that we should not get so caught up on what looks large. We should be invested on what God has assigned us even in the small things. The things that seem insignificant are the things that are most significant in the kingdom of God. And we see here that, that it started big and, and there was, you know, for a thousand years after the time of Moses and 400 years before the birth of Jesus, now what was massive and what God had blessed and it was His people we see the walls and the gates continued in the same woeful plight in which Nebuchadnezzar had left them now. The gates are destroyed. The walls have been demolished. And the people now were assigned with the assistance of a leader that God had chosen. How many are, is thankful for leaders that have been assisted by the Holy Spirit to put you on assignment? And I'm so thankful for everyone has been crucial. And there are certain times and seasons that God will call leaders to lead. Because it's not that the, the man-made leaders that will be able to be effective in the day and the hour that we are living in. In past experiences, that might have happened for a season. But I want you to understand that God is calling and assigning His people. And He wants us to, to build. He wants us to pick up the tools. Not only the tools, but the weapons. And we see that they are rebuilding the walls. They're rebuilding the gates. But I want us to also understand that it was in their territory. You know, it was in their home place. The people were assigned where they were. Come on, somebody. Because a lot of times we have the excuse, well, I can't do this or I can't go there. or you know. Uh, but I want you to understand, you have a place in your region. You have a place in your territory. And it was there by their homes that God asked them and assigned them to build where they were. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them, it's time to build where you are. 
where their family was. And, and, and there was a remnant, this is my uh, topic this morning, there was a remnant that returned to rebuild. There was a remnant that returned to rebuild. Can I tell you, God doesn't need the numbers, He just needs the remnant. He just needs somebody who has a heart to get back to what God's called you to do. And we see that after that, uh, all of Jew, uh, the, the Jewish nation was uh, blessed and the Jewish people were now where they were blessed in one season, now they're in desperation in this season. And we see that both ends of the spectrum of this nation is destroyed. The northern kingdom, and not only the northern kingdom, but the southern kingdom. The north and the south have been affected. Judah has been affected. Israel has been affected. And they have been completely conquered by the Babylonian spirit. We see for some 70 years, uh, Jerusalem was now like a ghost town. What was once filled with people, teeming with people, in the promise of what God had declared over their life, so easily they had forgotten where God had placed them. And we see now, it looks like a ghost town. It looks like, let me just go ahead and get there. It looked like there was no hope for this region. Looked like there was no hope for this territory. It looked like the enemy was having a heyday and had scattered God's people all away. Amen? But I want you to understand that where there is uh, faith, there is hope. And there was an opportunity. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's always an opportunity. And can I tell you that opposition is your opportunity. When it looks like there's opposition against you, when it looks like that everything is desolate and empty. I heard one preacher say, when it looks like there's nothing, God is about to do something. And we see here that, that something is getting ready to happen, but it's not going to be by the, the three million, it could have been three million that deported, and, and, and now it's only like out of the three million that were deported, only 50,000 decided to return. But can I tell you, millions can walk away. But if there's a remnant that will return, we can still see revival. Come on, somebody. And we see here that the days of Ezra, they were trying to rebuild in that day. They were trying and doing everything that they could, but they just everything that they were trying didn't seem to be working. I just want to tell you that what may not have worked in last season, I want you to understand that it may not have been the right timing and the right place and the right people, but God is setting you up for your get up. There's a rebuilding. There's a laying a spiritual foundation that Ezra in, in tried, but, but there was frustration. You ever tried to build something, but you had voices that in the midst of building, in the midst of doing what God had called you to do, you and it might have only been your voice inside your head trying to frustrate your purpose. But I want you to, I want you to know that you may have been frustrated in Ezra, but God is about to do something in Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah is 15 years after Ezra, and, and 15 is the, is the number of deliverance. Come on. It's the number, uh, actually it's the number of rest after deliverance. 14 is deliverance, and you can see that when they applied the blood over the doorpost of the home, that was the, the, the number of deliverance. But then on the next day, come on somebody, somebody say the next day they lived in rest because there had been deliverance through the blood of Jesus. 
in our state. Fifteen years after Ezra ends, they tried to rebuild in the past in Ezra 4, 6 through 23. Where they stopped, they were stopped by the enemies. And the walls in this place was laying there in, in rubble. They was, it was laying there scattered, burnt stones, broken stones. The gates were burned up. Everything, the entryways were destroyed. The walls were devastated. And we see it laid in ruins. It laid in rubble. And we see that the people now are vulnerable. The people that were once uh, uh, the, the violent taking it by force, now they're the vulnerable people. They're, they're, they're vulnerable, they're open, they're exposed. And, and we see that they're susceptible to attack. There's no protection around them. Listen, it's time for the intercessory walls in the body of Christ to get back in your placement and your position. And we see that the bad state of the people and the bad state of the walls, they are intimately connected because when a, a, a city is, is without walls, they are completely open. I want you to understand, without standards, you are susceptible to the enemy's attacks. And we see that they're completely without no defense. There's no defender when you, uh, 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 when you walk away from your defender. Come on, somebody. And we see they're completely uh, defenseless and they're completely uh, unprotected. And, and, and anything of value when you're open can be taken. Are you hearing me? Everything that's been valuable up to this point, if you allow the enemy to take the walls down and the standard of the truth of God's Word, down. I come to tell you everything that's been a treasure and valuable in your spirit and in your heart and in your home and in your family, you have made it susceptible. Those values can now be stripped. Those values can be taken. And let me tell you this, when the standard is lower, lowered, you will see a spirit of tension. You will see a spirit of constant fear. You will see a spirit of, of being afraid to be brutalized. What This word is, oh, you're, you're scared of people's words and you're, uh, because you've allowed the standard to fall. Nehemiah didn't just feel bad for Jerusalem. The Bible explains that he had, listen to this, he sat down. Which means he had no strength in his legs. I like to think of it like this. The strength drained from his legs because the Lord had placed a burden upon him. The Lord had placed a burden so big and so vast on Nehemiah that he sits down and he began to weep, the Bible says. Listen, it's time for us. Sometimes we need to sit down and weep again. It's time for us to take a knee and we must have the, uh, the heart uh, of repentance for what God wants to release. Without repentance, there is no refreshing. And, and Pastor Amanda said it, there, there was weeping in Nehemiah and he mourned uh, for the people of God and, and God was moving in Nehemiah. God was moving in the one that he assigned and he assisted in this moment. Now watch this. Nehemiah, as we're going through this story, I want you to picture in your mind that Nehemiah is the representation of the Holy Spirit. 
The name actually means the comforter. Come on, somebody. And I want you to understand the whole time that Nehemiah, God placed a grievance grievance upon the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was beginning to work some stuff out. The Holy Spirit. How many knows the Holy Spirit will lead you back to truth? Amen. And we need that true leader to lead us in the right direction. And we see now that the broken walls, we see that they represent, as I said, they represent the standard. They represent the, and I want you to know that Nehemiah represents believers in this place who are in harmony with what God wants to do and His will and His purpose. And the Holy Spirit wants to lead the church in this hour to its finest moments. And, and, and there's more that God wants to do in the church. And, and the gates of hell, watch, shall not prevail against the remnant that will return and, and repent for revival. That the walls represent the standard, the strength, the character, the integrity. And you can go to Psalms 101 and you can see 101 integrity and character of David as the heart goes out. Not to put your eyes to things that break down the walls of righteousness. Not, not, not to talk or gossip at tables that want to get information out of you so that they can one-up their brother and one-up their sister. This is not, the, this is not supposed to be in the body of Christ. I can see it out in the world. But isn't it interesting that the enemy knows if I can get in, I can destroy. If I can be that 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 one that's in, in on uh, that, that secret enemy, if you will. But I want you to see that Nehemiah grieved that the wall was broken and he's beginning to do something about it. And he's beginning to uh, have a heart for standard. And he's beginning to have a heart for integrity again. And he's beginning to have a heart to have that character again. And the wall is that that he's building to, pr- to preserve. He's, the wall is a representation of protection and preservation. It's, and the gates uh, are the, uh, what we open ourselves up to and what we close up and not allow things in the walls are to protect what's on the inside and keep everything that's evil on the outside. Look at Moses when his mother placed him in the basket. He didn't, she didn't just uh, the, leave the basket exposed. Even the cracks in the basket, the Bible declares that she began to put the pitching and the caulking in the cracks and in the crevices of the basket so that the de- devastating waters would not get in and that Moses was protected for the the greater purpose of his future Noah. We can see that one of the last things that he did was that he used the same thing. He began to pitch the cracks in the caulking and used tree sap to cover the holes and, and he sealed the cracks in the holes and because of that little thing that seemed insignificant to most, maybe some of us would have left that part out, but he said I gotta make sure that, that I apply the blood to the cracks. Come on. I gotta make sure that I apply the blood so that the enemy cannot get through where the blood has been applied to the cracky parts of my life. And and that's why the ark, when the waters begin to to, to come in, the the ark begin to rise up. Here's what I want to tell you. God is about to rebuild. He's about to use some people that are committed. He doesn't need the masses. He just needs a few good men. He just needs a few prophetic 
make women. He just needs a few intercessors who while the preacher is preaching, they're applying blood to the cracks of the wall that they can see. And there's a seeing spirit upon a remnant of people. And, and there's a hearing of what God wants to do next. And so they're working while others are scattering. Listen, isn't it interesting that the place of promise for these people the place of promise where God had told them, this is your blessed place. This is your blessed land. And then they begin to be satisfied where they were. Most of them did not want to go back to what God had promised them. Somebody say, I'm, I, I, I'm, I, I will remain. And then some of us need to return. Church, after releasing the rain last Sunday, I heard, I will remain. I heard, I will return. I kept hearing there's a remnant. As many years ago, the Lord placed it in our spirit, there's a remnant that's been registered. There's a, there's a remnant that's been signed up for this assignment. And you will not be signed up without God's assistance. There is a remnant that the Holy Spirit is going to assist for revival. There's a remnant that God is going to assist for restoration. There's a remnant that everything looks broken. Everything looks hopeless. But the glory is coming back to His church. The glory is coming back to His bride. And we can look around and see the depths of the brokenness and the depths of despair. And people all around us, not just in the world, have lost sight of any hope or anything that looks beautiful. But the church has lost faith. And, and we can see now that many are accepting it. They're accepting, well, this is the way it's going to be. It's, we have to lower the standard. We, we have to lower the law, the, the, the law. We have to lower the wall. We, we have to lower this thing. It's just the way that it's going to be. It's just the way that it has to be done. And, and many are looking around and looking at this is just terminal and that the enemy and evil is winning. And there's no expectation for change anymore. The people of God in uh, our many cannot see past this is the problem that we cannot see past our present because we're so caught up in our problem that we cannot see God's promises anymore we're so caught up on our issue that we cannot see revival anymore we get so caught up on our issue and our struggle that now our situation it's just going to take us under it's never going to change it's never going to be any different these walls are going to remain as rubble these walls are going to remain broken down. Let me just get on somebody's level. Your marriage will never be like it used to be. It will always be broken. It will never be whole again. But I come to tell you where there is a return to repentance, God is about to release revitalization in some marriages. And I'm speaking to somebody right now because there's been some cracks and you've opened some stuff up. But God says, I can apply the blood to the cracks and we can shut the door when we allow ourselves to rebuild. Sometimes you've got to rebuild trust which means 
If you want to close the doors, you got to open your heart. Come on, somebody. If you want to close the doors to the de devastation of demonic forces, a lot of times to build that trust back up, you got to open up your heart. But I promise you, if you'll open up your heart, God is about to place something in your hand. If you'll open up your heart, God's going to give you the anointing of Nehemiah. If you'll open up your heart, the Holy Spirit's going to lead you and guide you. If you open up your heart, I promise, yes, the enemy's threat is real, but his truth is greater than the threats of the enemy. And I want you to understand that it may look like a bunch of broken down, burn up stones, but God is about to do something new in an old thing. If you believe it, give God praise. How will I get out of this difficulty? How will I get out of the affliction? How will I ever see acceleration? I read in one place of the Bible where a people in the wilderness, and by the way, this is in my sermon notes, dying of thirst, and the prophet told them, dig a ditch. Yeah, right here. Right there. 2 Kings 3, 16 through 17. Just confirmation. No, not a ditch. Ditches. Make a valley full of... You can dig one hole, but can you be committed to digging many holes? Oh, I, I dug one hole. But are you willing to, as Nehemiah, pray continually and constantly, are you willing to dig when it's dry? Come on, somebody. I could stay on that and preach... But I'm telling you, you dig when it's hard. You dig. Your, your, your hands may hurt, your muscles, you may get fatigued, but are you going to dig because you may not see the rain, you may not see the wind, but I promise you there is water coming by the way of Edom. Come on, somebody. There is water coming that's going to fill up your efforts. I promise you that if there's anybody that has an effort to give to him, a talent, a tone, I promise you that God... God is going to, he's going to release where you are responsible to do what God has called you today. Is there anybody that understands that it's my responsibility that releases the respond, the responsive God? Hallelujah. He's going to respond to your responsibility. He's going to respond to those are, who are responsible in this hour. And you may not be able to see the rain and you may not be able to feel the wind, but are you willing to dig? Are you willing to put some stones in place? Are you willing to pick up the hurting? Are you willing to feed the, hum the homeless? Are you willing to help the widows? I, I just want to get on a level right now because we've gotten so far away from what this book has told us to do. But I'm looking for a few people. I don't need all of you. I just need a remnant people in this place to understand that if you will return to the truth, God is about to set others free. God is about to set your home free. God is about to set your mind free. I wish I had somebody to help me. I'm going to preach all day long. Somebody take 30 seconds right now and say as for me and my house, we're going to return. I will be a part of the remnant that's going to return. Hallelujah. Come to tell somebody that God's about to do it. It will come by the way of Edom. It may look hopeless, but turn your neighbor and say, God's about to do it. 
Now, if you're half-hearted in saying that, don't say it. It's amazing to me that we can believe in one moment and doubt in the very next. I even hear it sometimes in tones, you know. Pastor Man will say, well, say something, say this or say that. It's something of hope. It's something of truth. But there's a tone of doubt in the truth you're releasing to your neighbor. It's time to line it back up. It's time to line it. It may look hopeless, but I need just a few mindsets of building. Just a few mindsets that will dig. Healing is going to be released to the mindset of a digger. The mindset of a builder. Those that will come into agreement with Nehemiah, the Holy Spirit. That will come into agreement that we will not accept the enemy's report no longer. We're not going to accept the enemy's report. I'm not even going to accept my own senses that are trying to detour me. That's trying to pull me away from what I know God said. I'm not going to allow voices, but I choose. I wish you'd turn to your neighbor, help me preach for a minute, and tell them I choose to believe God. I I choose to believe God and and turn to your neighbor and tell them I'm going to build because I choose to believe Him. I'm going to build. And some of you need to turn to your neighbor right now, and that's your husband and wife, and tell them, I know it looks broken. I know it looks hopeless. I know it looks like it's never been before, but I choose to build with you. I'm going to build together. We're going to build as family. We're going to build in the region that God has chosen for us to to build. I, I choose to believe God. I choose to build with my family. I choose to build with my community. I choose to, let me just do it like this. I choose to praise in a desert place. I choose to praise where it's dry. I choose to praise where people are mocking me right in my face as, as I'm doing what God's called me to do. I choose to praise. I choose to dig. I choose to build. And it doesn't matter about the symbolics and the Tobias that's coming along that wants to be little foxes that just spoil everything that God's trying to build. I come to tell every fox I got a 12 gauge shotgun. It's called the Holy Ghost and I'm about to take every one of you out. I'm about to take every principality and power and ruler and I'm going to go ahead and say it. We rebuke every witchcraft spirit. We rebuke that witchcraft spirit that would want to stand up and mock the message of God and the blessing of God I declare that you will be blessed I declare that as you build you will see revival you will see the water you will see the rain you will see the storm that's producing the harvest take 30 seconds and praise him if you believe it. so funny last night Amanda got home been gone pretty much all weekend and she still got it in her. She didn't hold back anything today. Matter of fact, sometimes that fire that's in her, that's in somebody who's committed to what God's called them to do, how many knows fire can be I'm not saying it's irritating to me, so let me just knock that Leviathan spirit. But it can be irritating when you've not been close to it. Man, Amanda, I'm telling you, last night, she went around our whole property praying, releasing oil, because... 
for the last whatever few weeks, there's been something outside our house making noises. Doorbells ringing. But you know what? We've already staked the territory. <laughs> it's so interesting. Some of y'all are with it and others going. Yeah, we're still going to be that people. We're not going to conform and drop the wall. And there's sometimes that intercessors will irritate you. But God's looking for a people that will start building with those who are building. He doesn't need the masses. Let me just go ahead and tell you, He doesn't need you. He just needs, and I'm not saying that in any condemnation. He, he, he wants you. He allows you to be a part of the building process. But if you want to be irritated by an intercessor who wants to pray for four hours, then that's on you. But I want you to understand that God's not raising up a limp-wristed, weak church in this hour. He's, looking, he's raising up somebody who can be sustained in the middle of what he's declaring, what he's interceding. He's not so concerned that he, he, he's not concerned about the package that it comes out of. That is us. We are the people that's concerned with the package. But I come to tell you, God's about to deliver something. And if you're not in line, if you're not in line with what the Holy Spirit is, you're going to be locked out of what he is doing. I don't want to be locked out in this hour. I don't want to be irritated when somebody's interceding. Nehemiah was a spirit of revival. But it also, the very first of this message was, it's not over. That's what he wanted the people to know. It looks that way. It's looked that way for years. <laughs> but family, it's not over. It's not over. People would like to tell you, well, the nation's doomed. I come to tell you. Help me preach this thing. It's past the point of no return. I come to prophesy and tell you and declare it's not over. Oh, it looks like homosexuality is going to be uh, the way. It looks like we better accept it. I come to tell you it's not over. It looks like everything's going to triumph over truth. I come to tell you there's a remnant that's rising and it's not over. I'm not talking about someone that wants to condemn the sin and condemn the sinner or condemn the sinner. But I'm telling you, it's time for us to be clear on what sin. You can love the sinner all day long, but if you don't stand for truth, you're going to fall for the sin. And homosexuality and lust and perversion and adultery looks like it's conquering the church. But I come to tell the enemy and I come to tell every principality and I come to tell everything that's trying to get in your home and trying to make you compromise and trying to get you to go to the church down the street because you're just too focused on sin. I come to tell you it's not over. God is raising up a remnant who's going to release revival and it's up to you to get in on what God wants to release is there anybody hungry for revival 
If you're hungry, then let me hear your hunger. Let him hear the tones of your talent. Well, I don't have nothing to give him. You've got an amen. There's an amen on the inside of you. If I'm preaching truth, you can release an amen. And when you release the, tr- the amen and you agree with the truth, one can chase a thousand to fight. But I come to tell you, when my little wife, and she may not look like much, but when she began to go around up my property and she began to pray in the Holy Ghost and she began to run off the bell witch spirit and the witchcraft spirit, I come to tell you last night we slept like a baby and my doorbell didn't ring one time. Why? Because it's the power of an intercessor. Don't you dare complain about witches hecking you, hexing you and demons getting in your ear gate when you don't have time to be a Nehemiah. Set yourself down. Walk around your property and intercede until revival pours down on your house and protects your house and raises the standard and builds the gates back. I'm looking for somebody that has a praise in a fiery furnace. I'm looking for somebody that has a prophetic word around a a bunch of dead dried up bones. Is there anybody that has the prophetic on the inside of you that has the potential to raise up your dead family member that is lost and undone? I come to tell you every prodigal is coming home to an intercessor. Sheba Asito Ramai. Y'all got a little bit more time? There will always be an enemy to stop you. Sometimes it's your eyes. Sometimes it's what you're hearing. And watch this. I'm going to say it again. Not even what others are saying. What your head's telling you. Symbalots. Tobiah. Symbalot means, watch this, bramble bush. B-R-A-M-B-L-E. Bramble bush. Mm. It is an enemy in secret. A bramble bush. And it'll look like presence sometimes. You remember Moses went to hear from the Lord? Sometimes the Bible says that the enemy will come as an angel where there's a fiery bush, there's a bramble bush. The enemy in secret. Somebody say he's an enemy in secret. Who exert themselves to be a thorn in the side of the church of God's people and a righteous leader. There are symbolics who secretly, watch this, stand And this is not for you to go, oh my gosh, everybody's against me, but I want you to see this. They stand against everything you stand for secretly. Symbolics are your enemies, even though you don't know it. But I come to tell somebody, eventually, they'll show themselves. (laughs) Eventually, they'll be exposed. Tobias is that other 
name that this is tricky. This is Leviathan. Listen to this. Tobiah means God is good. <laughs> it's getting quiet in here. But in Nehemiah 4, Tobiah was an Ammonite, an enemy of God, opposing the work of the Lord. So Tobiah prophetically refers to the things the world says that God tolerates. He endorses homosexuality. He's a God of love. He loves everybody. Let me just tell you this. He loves you. But He hates sin. He hates sin. And let me just go ahead and tell you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive this point home and it's not to just throw, I'm not trying to throw anything other than truth. Somebody's got to stand for truth. The commercials are normalizing what's not normal. Homosexuality, listen to me, is a sin. All of it. Spirits of perversion is sin. And it has to be broken and the standard has to be built back up. The name there, we see that it's, oh, God's good. You can do what you want to do. It's the right becoming wrong and the wrong becoming right. This spirit that is tricky. Come on, somebody. It's tricky. And it will be the foxes that want to spoil the vine, want to spoil the blessing. But the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7.14, only if my people, my people, my church will humble themselves. They will seek my face. They will turn. Somebody say return. From their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. Then I will forgive their sin. I will then heal their land. There is no time of refreshing without a bent knee of repenting. It's not over. It, but I want you to understand, it's not over even when it looks over. Even when it looks like evil is prevailing, I want you to understand that as you are standing and being committed and building even now and you're stepping up to the plate, I want you to know that even when the enemy's trying to pull you down in fields that God didn't intend for you to be in, and I'm talking about that field of, oh no, oh no, how are we going to get out of this? Oh no, how is my marriage going to be restored oh no no don't you dare get off the wall come on somebody don't you dare stop building for your family don't you dare stop building for your church don't you dare stop building for anybody else's opinion and sure enough don't you dare stop building when you're hearing voices that are not the holy spirit when you're seeing things that's trying to distract you when you're seeing even some how many knows that the enemy can even get in your dream gate i know that we like to spiritualize kingdom and say everything is kingdom that comes through my dreams but I want to tell you the enemy can get right in that dream and make you believe something that is not true here's what I want to come against today I want to come against the Symbala and the Tobias spirit I want to come up against the trickery of the enemy I want to come against that Leviathan spirit that wants to twist the truth as the preacher is preaching as somebody's praying over you and you're not even hearing what God is saying because that Leviathan spirit has had a heyday 
in the church. Why? Because we have allowed the walls to fall. We have allowed corruption to get in our home. Let's don't blame the church. It started in your house. It started at your computer. It started in your hand. Somebody give God praise in this place and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to build the wall. We're going to dig ditches. And we don't care what anybody says about us. And we don't care what they think about us. I'm going to be committed to what God has called me to do. If there is some leaders in this place, I want you to begin to stand up in this place and agree together. And we're going to say that in this day and hour, I will be the leader that will not allow corruption to get into my heart, to not allow a lie to get into my spirit, to not allow doubt to get in the way of truth. But I promise you this, I'm not going to allow the self-pity spirit. I'm not going to enter into that field of proverbial lens of oh no of Nehemiah 6. But I promise you this, your efforts are not in vain. And they may seem old timey, but I promise you God is about to do a new thing if you'll keep preaching the message of the blood. If you'll keep preaching the message of the cross. I want you to know that Jesus has a remedy and it's called the blood. It's still the blood. It's still the cross. It's still sanctification ladies and gentlemen. It's still holiness today and it may seem outdated but I'd rather be outdated than outside of what God is doing. I'd rather be outdated to man and be in a place where God can use me and God can use you. Somebody right now say that as for me and my house we're going to build the wall. Slap your neighbor high five and tell them it's not over. Just begin to encourage your neighbor that even in the midst of enemy voices, even in the midst of opposition, even in the midst where it looks hopeless, even in the midst of, uh, of something object, uh, uh, objecting you and something working against you and resisting you, I come to tell you that winning doesn't happen without warfare. So go ahead and let opposition come. It's your opportunity to build. Somebody give God praise and let your praise build a place. Let your praise be a stone on the wall. Lift your hands toward heaven. Just begin to praise Him. The opposition's real, but the victory is greater. Satan will always oppose what you arise to the occasion to do. But greater is he who's on the inside of you than every weapon formed against you. I come to tell somebody, keep standing for the blood. Keep believing in the cross. Come on. Keep believing in holiness and righteousness and sanctification. Keep on believing that you can cast out a devil. Come on. Keep believing that you can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Let me just say this. Even in Restoring Hope Church, as we have built this house for His worship, His glory, I've seen days where faith was so strong that, that anybody could have come in here with their condition and God healed them and delivered them just like that. I've seen the day. But isn't it interesting how the foxes will get in and try to release spirits of doubt because He only needs just a little seed of doubt in one of you. And next thing you know, you're discrediting the Holy Spirit which is an abomination to God. Matter of fact, that's the one sin He won't forgive. When you look at what God is doing, you say, ah, 
that ain't God. And we wonder why there's no miracles. We wonder why there's no salvations. There's no harvest. There's no, because we've discredited what we've experienced through and only the Holy Spirit. Just lift your hands right now and just ask the Lord. You know what the, the, the greatest thing about Nehemiah's heart, listen to this, was he had a heart to repent. Now I want you to understand he was a godly man. But he said, what my fathers did, he said we were corrupt in all of our ways. He didn't blame it on somebody else. We're good at blaming everybody else. But are you willing to come into what the last generation did and say, God, forgive us? He didn't say, forgive them. He said, we messed up. Forgive us. Can you just lift your hands as a body, as a corporate expression of, of the church as a whole, all in the United States of America, not just here in our region, but can we just say, Lord, forgive us for allowing standards to be broken. Lord, forgive us for walking in our own ways. Lord, forgive us for not, for not continuing what You have chosen us to do, God. Forgive us for not being committed and, and diligent, Father. We desire change. We desire broken homes to be whole. We, we desire the spirit of divorce to be eradicated. We desire sickness healed. Come on somebody, help me intercede right now. We desire disease to be, to be demolished. and We desire adultery and perversion to not be normalized in, in this society, in this culture. We declare that God is holy. He is holy. We desire, Lord, to pray and to fast and to push meals aside and to sacrifice and to lay aside fleshly pursuit and repent because we want to turn and we want to see wickedness leave we we desire God and if you want us to pray for four months God we will Nehemiah prayed four months before he ever picked up anything to do anything listen to this and only took 52 days to finish the job why because there was the foundation of four months. <laughs> it happens through prayer. The promise comes through prayer. Lift your hands toward heaven and just begin to surrender. Focus on Him. In closing, the Lord wanted me to bring up the heart of Nehemiah. He openly and passionately identified with the Father's house and prayed by using we. Repent. As Pastor Amanda said it, it's right here. Repentance brings refreshing. And lastly this morning, here's what the Lord told me. He said, we're going to, as a church, repent. And He said, we're going to remind. We're going to repent and remind. Turn it every say, I, I repent, and then I'm going to remind. We're going to repent for the whole church as we have already started to do, but we're going to remind God of the promises in our life. It's like the Lord began to speak to me because that's what Nehemiah did. He repented and then he reminded. <laughs> it, it says that he reminded of Leviticus. 26 in Deuteronomy 30, he says, Nehemiah reminded the Lord of his promise to Moses and the nation. 
asking God to make good on it. You need to ask God to make good on what He's declared over your life. You know you can do that today? You can say, God, make good on what you've promised me. Come on. And you need to know that He said, now is the time. You need to know that now faith is the substance of things hoped for. I just got to remind Him on what He's promised me. Not only repent, but remind. Psalms 81.10, God says to His people, open your mouth wide and I will feel it. Let me just say this. What if the opening of the storehouse is contingent on you opening your declaration of promise? What if the heavens does not open up until I remind God of what He's releasing to me? This is what's going to happen today. Revival will come when we're real, willing to rebuild, which means we're willing to repent. Not just for our sins, but for the sins of the body. I believe that honesty and integrity are coming back to the house of God. Man, there's about four of you that agreed with me. Y'all still here? Foxes will not spoil what God's about to do. Come on, just lift your hands and believe with me. I believe that right now, even now, as I release truth, I want you to understand that it's not a sense for the Leviathan to get in your head and say, well, I'm not good enough. This is where I'm closing. Where's my stones at? I'm not good enough. I'm a, I'm a burnt one. Anybody burnt out? Anybody been burnt by the church? You know, the one we throw all the time. Church hurt. Nobody's ever hurt you outside the church, but in the church. I'm messed up. Let me, let me just tell you something. I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I'm a broken vessel. I've been abused. Some of you can say this. I've been addicted. I've been cheated on. Some of us have cheated on our spouse, cheated on our wife. And the Leviathan would like to say, as I was raising the standard of truth, there's no room for me. I've failed in ministry. There's no room for me. I'm just rubbish. I'm just burnt stones. I'm just, I'm just trash. Good for nothing. But I heard another voice this morning. The Nehemiah anointing of the Holy Spirit. Come on, just lift your hand right now. Woo! The Nehemiah spirit that would say, that's the one I want. That's the one. I want the one who carries the scars. I want the stone that everybody just decided to lay there, that it's good for nothing. And some of us, we look good today, but you have an ugly past. And I don't tell you that so that you can, to condemn you of what your past, but I tell you that to remember where you came from. It is that place of being rejected by religion. It is that, that, that place of being the outcast. The, the scripture shows us the, the untouchables, the, the lepers, the, those that, that, that have no hope, those that, are, those that are, uh, have a past. The unrighteous. Watch this, watch this. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? This is truth right here. Watch, watch this. We're going to stand for this, right? As a body, we're going to stand for truth. I ain't, I'm waiting until all of you help me. We're going to stand for truth. We're going to love through it, but we're going to stand for something. 
Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor infeminate. Can I sit there for a minute? Infeminate. What's that mean? Y'all know what that means, don't you? It means acting like something that God didn't create you to be. Don't be feminine when you're a man. And you say, well, I need help. That's why Nehemiah is releasing right now. God loves you enough not to keep you the way that He didn't create you to be. That's what I'm saying. God can do it. Here's what I'm telling you. It's not over for your children. It's not over for your sons. It's not over for your daughters. And I want you to tell you, I want to tell you this, that it's the homosexual that God's going to use as a stone to build the wall. It's the fornicator that God's going to use to build the wall. It's those who have built idols. The remnant that chooses to return to the reality of the kingdom. How many's ever had a bad past and, and you would be not ashamed? to I, Just two or three words. You don't have to say the whole thing, but you're going to show people who you used to be because some people are not even going to believe where you came from. If you would be that person and you would be a witness today, I want you to, I'm only going to do four of these, so somebody's going to have to come quick. I want you to grab this stone and we're going to declare what God has done in your life. Come on. Now, what, what has he done? Just two or three words. Delivered me from addiction. Delivered from addiction. There's an old burnt stone that's about to do a new thing. Come on. What about you? Delivered me from addiction as well. Two, two deliver from addiction. Wait, I don't want you to keep those stones. I need them. Come back here. What did he do for you? Um, he healed, set me free from abortion that I had when I was 18. And he delivered me from addiction. Come on, somebody. You see what I'm saying? Now, I'm glad they're coming up here, but I'm looking for an elder or a leader in this place that will come and say something. Come on now. Here you go. There's been so much... I'm 67. Anger, bitterness. Um, I almost left my husband last weekend after he, um, well, his, his brother. Last weekend. Did you just hear that? He's not looking for perfection. Come on, somebody. If he, if he needed perfect people, every one of us would have been an outcast. Are you hearing me right now? He delivered me from addiction, but he also delivered me from the spirit of hatred. Spirit of hatred. Spirit of hatred. We're not done. Somebody else needs to come up. What did you say? I wanted to say that his brother passed away, uh -huh. and he was in Ohio ministering to his family, and he was such a minister to his nieces and nephews. Yeah. And all I heard when he was away, how sweet, sweet, sweet he was, yes. too, to the point where I was... Angry, 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 because I don't see that sweet, sweet, sweet every single day for the last 50 years of my life. And I just couldn't, I just boiled over. Yeah. I, I packed my bags, 
put stuff in trash bags. You know what I love about it? It's real. It's real. God doesn't want you to be fake. You're going to get angry. You're going to see the imperfection of the one God told you to be in covenant with. Not too much with you, baby girl. What about you, sweetheart? Come on. He delivered me from witchcraft and bisexuality. Come on. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to build a wall. Just place your... People will call you out, but God's going to build the church with you. Can I pray for you? Do you mind? All of you just begin to stretch your hands. What's your name, huh? Zaya? Lord, Zaya will be like an Isaiah. <laughs> She'll be prophetic. She'll be a seer. What the enemy would want to mean for harm and to use for wickedness. Lord, we thank you for the grace. We thank you, Lord, that the talents spiritually that you've given to her and gifted her to do, Lord, it's going to have a tone of truth. In the name of Jesus, Zaya will be an Isaiah. Will be one who tells it. One will be, will be one who declares it. Regardless if it comes to pass in a season or a time. But we know, Lord, that when it comes to pass, it will be the right time. It will be the right season. And, and the reality of the Messiah will be revealed as you begin to speak through her testimony. So, Lord, we just release it now in Jesus' name. What's your name, sir? Jay. We just speak over Jay as well. I thank you for these. Rama Asi. I thank you, Lord, for the Ephesians church. God, I thank you, Lord, for those that you're building. I thank you for those that you're pulling in for such a time as this. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that it, it, we're going to do what they said could not be done with what they said it couldn't be done with, Father. Lord, you're going to use those, Lord Jesus, the return remnant. Hallelujah. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that there's a place at the table for those, Lord Jesus, who everybody else would call trash. And, and, and Lord, us, that, that, that we've done and made mistakes. But God, I thank you, Lord, that we have come to the saving knowledge of who you are, Father. I thank you, Lord, that your blood is being applied to all the cracks and crevices. And Lord, I speak a fresh anointing upon this couple in their house right now. Lord, I declare, Lord Jesus, that that wall is being built even around the property, God. Lord, I thank you that there's an oil that's coming upon them as a representation of the natural that I placed in my hand and put upon them. Lord, I thank you, Lord, though, what you're going to do in this, in this season, Father, that the church, the gates of hell, will not prevail oh, 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 with what you're doing brand new. Hallelujah. It's coming brand new, Father God. There's a wineskin that's being developed. Lord, I thank you that there's new wine. There's a fresh touch of glory that's going to be released to those, Lord Jesus, who have the heart 